You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. It's so great to be with you guys today. Um, as you may know, last week we wrapped a series that included 21 days of fasting and prayer. Now, I realized something, and that is that next year, I'm going to make sure that my wife and I, we fast for the same things, okay? I never felt so much anxiety eating a piece of bread. And then sometimes I would forget. I was like, hey, we should order a pizza. She'd look at me and be like, what did I ever do to you? She was hangry is what I'm trying to tell you guys. So let me ask you a question. Did God reveal something in that 21 days of fasting and prayer that you need to change? Maybe you've been struggling with a change that's already happening. Or maybe there is something you know needs to happen that you have to change. Whatever the case, change usually is rooted in willpower. And when a hard change comes, if you don't have the willpower, if it fails, change can be really hard. In the last week, we prayed a specific prayer about let your will be done. So how do we align our will with God's will? That's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get started, let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you for another day. I want to thank you for this church. We are so grateful to have a place that we can step into and worship you, hear from your word, God. And I pray for every single person that stepped in this room, no matter what circumstances brought them here. Father God, I pray that you will open up our hearts and minds. I pray that my words will be pleasing to you, Father. And pray that we know that you are constant in those seasons of change in our lives, even and especially when they're hard. Father God, we love you, we praise you. And it's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now that is a beautiful song about change by Fleetwood Mac. It's a reminder that change is inevitable. And sometimes change can be overwhelming. Now, the Bible reminds us of this in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2. It says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. Now, over the past few years, actually this past year, it's been one of the most difficult seasons of my family's life. We've actually experienced quite a bit of change. Now, around February of last year, the company I started uh, when I was a senior in college called Key Ideas celebrated 15 years. And this change would inspire a feeling inside of me that would consume my attention for the next four months. See, I felt that the time had come for me to buy a building to grow, to, to buy a building to move my, my growing company into. So I found a beautiful 130-year-old building in need of some work outside of downtown. And in June of last year, with the help of a family member, we officially closed on the building. This was a dream come true. There were many obstacles along the way that would leave me feeling like this may not actually happen. 
But that same will or stubbornness would cause me to lose sight of a feeling of change that my wife had been feeling for even longer. See, I closed on the building on a Tuesday. And on Thursday of the same week, my wife called to tell me she had resigned from her job. Now, doubling your expenses and cutting your income in half in the same week, not a good idea, okay? Do not recommend it. But see, the prospect of Jennifer leaving her job and coming to work for Key Ideas was not something new. It's actually something we had talked about for years. But when that week started, she didn't tell me she was gonna resign from her job. By Friday, it was official. And so I said, okay, well, what are you gonna do? She's like, what do you mean? I'm gonna go work for Key Ideas. I said, but, but we're not hiring. <laughs> I said, okay, why don't you send me your resume and a list of references and I'll get back to you. I'll just, <laughs> we can't just hire anybody. That's not exactly how that happened because I wouldn't be standing here today if it did. But needless to say, the timing was not great. In July, she started to work for Key Ideas at a quarter of what she was making before. And that month just happened to be the slowest month financially that we've had for the business in years, only to be followed by an even slower month this past November. See, both of us desire to change, but the change we thought we needed was in direct opposition of one another. See, our wills were not aligned. And as a result, we're now experiencing change the hard way. Now, all of us struggle with change at some point in our lives. We struggle with changes in our relationships. We struggle with changes when our cute little kids grow into bratty little teenagers. I know about that one. We struggle with changes to our health. We struggle with our work changes. We struggle when we move. We struggle when we lose the people that mean the most to us. Now, all of us have heard the saying, the only thing constant is what? Change. Well, today, I wanna to suggest that there's something more constant than change. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. Let's say that together one more time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So our big idea today is Christ is constant. So with everything that we talk about today, please be reminded of this, okay? So there are three other things that we hope to leave you with by the end of the service. And one of them is change is hard, but it's not impossible. But let's focus on the change is hard part. Why, why is change so hard? The Heath brothers, Two authors and scholars explain this in their book, Switch, how to make a change when, things is, when change is hard. They say, as it relates to change, conventional wisdom in psychology is that the brain has two independent systems that work at all times. There is what we call the emotional side. Now that's the part that's instinctive, that feels pain and pleasure. That's the part that watches Grey's Anatomy and This Is Us, you know, that's that side of you. Then there's the rational side. It's analytical. It likes to plan and look to the future and correct your coworker's spelling, that kind of thing. <laughs> the, 
They go on to cite psychologist Jonathan Haidt, who says, the emotional side is an elephant, and our rational side is like a rider. Perched atop the elephant, one would think that the rider has the reins and is in control. But the rider's control is only so powerful compared to that six-ton emotional side elephant that's within us. So it kind of looks like this. <laughs> now, quick disclaimer. When you wear a bow tie, take a picture, throw in a peace sign, it will be used against you at some point. And that day is today. So your rider says, we're up early. We should totally go for a run. Well, your elephant says, why are we, why are we up so early? We should get breakfast tacos, right? Your rider says, we need to save money. We're behind on our rent. Your elephant says, we should totally go to Nyosa. <laughs> All the money goes to charity anyway. This concept explains why change can be so hard this internal conflict we all have inside of ourselves. And when our rational side is up against that six-ton elephant, we do not stand a chance. See, knowing what to do is not enough. The Apostle Paul in his letters to the believers in Rome talks about this in Romans 7, verse 14. He says, we know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a what? a slave to sin. See, Paul recognizes two things. One is he knows the law. If you study earlier in the text, Paul says, I was totally fine until I understood the law. But when he learned the truth, he knew that he was doomed. Paul is explaining that knowing the law, knowing what you're supposed to do is not enough. See, many of us, as it relates to a hard change we need to make, we already know what we're supposed to do. We already know, but knowing it is only half the battle. It's not enough. So our second takeaway as it relates to change is, knowing is only half the battle. Does anybody remember the cartoons G.I. Joe? Right? I'm not talking about the movie with Channing Tatum, I'm talking about old school G.I. Joe, right? I used to love to watch G.I. Joe. And after every episode, they would have this little public service announcement. So it was kind of like, you know, if a stranger comes up to you in a minivan offering you candy, don't take the candy, kids, okay? Like, run, like, don't do it. Something you should know. And after every little PSA, they would say, now you know, and what? Knowing is half the battle. But then they would never tell you what the other half of the battle was, right? <laughs> Like, why aren't you telling me the other half of the battle? Stop keeping knowledge from me, G.I. Joe. <laughs> so remember that knowing is only half the battle. Remember, change is hard, but it's not impossible. And knowing is only half the battle. See, the next thing Paul describes is that actual battle that exists between your rider and your elephant. He goes on to say in Romans 7, verses 15 through 17, I do not understand what I do. For what I wanna do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not wanna do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. There is a lot of do's in that scripture. There are so many do's. It's not easy to do, so let's do it again. And uh, let's listen closely, okay? 
I do not understand what I do. For what I wanna do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. Do you recognize that internal conflict that Paul is having? Do you see that internal conflict within yourself as a hard change that you need to make? He knows what he's supposed to do, but he still does what he hates. Why? Because Paul, like us, was not perfect. He was a sinner. So when you're trying to make a positive change in your life, Christians, it's not enough to just know what you're supposed to do. See, even Paul struggled with that conflict. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect. Even Christians do the things they hate. The things that they know will hurt themselves and hurt others. So here's the question. Is this what Christianity is? Is Paul saying there is good and evil inside of us and that there's this internal conflict we're gonna battle with the rest of our lives that we can never win? Is that it? Well, what I wanna suggest Paul is saying is that all of life is a battle between two selves. But the war is different before you become a Christian and after you become a Christian. Paul is saying that war inside yourself before you become a Christian is a war without hope that you cannot possibly win. But the war after you become a Christian is a war you cannot lose. When you become a Christian, you don't move from warfare to peace. No, you move from a losing battle to one you cannot lose. See, later in Romans, verse 7, verse 24 through 25, Paul writes, What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to who? God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Christ is constant. You see, Paul didn't give up. And so one of the things that we want you to know as it relates to change is that you have to recognize that that internal conflict inside of you exists and that it's normal, but shouldn't cause you to give up. So that's our third thing. Recognize the conflict and don't give up because Christ is constant. Now, I understand the law. Like many of you, I've been going to church my entire life. It's easy for me to stand up here and just say, Christ is constant. But I don't speak to you just from understanding. This isn't just the writer speaking to you. I speak to you as the elephant. Because in the midst of my own battles, I have experienced the love and grace of Jesus Christ time and time again. These past six months have been some of the hardest that I've ever had. Many sleepless nights, wondering if a business that I have been working on for 16 years would survive. But more than that, wondering if I had made a selfish decision that would not give the person I love the most the space and time that she needed. You know, we spent many, many days battling ourselves, battling one another, but there's one thing that saved us. And that is, during this difficult change, we leaned on what we both knew to be constant. 
See, we decided that we would commit 10 solid days in a row to beginning each day and ending each night in prayer together. And that's what we did. When we woke up and before we went to sleep, we prayed. We prayed for protection over our family and our business. We thanked him for all the many things he had blessed us with. We asked for forgiveness for, not, for being impulsive and emotional and not going to God first for direction. See, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and what? Petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And after months of working on our budget, wondering whether we were gonna make payroll, let me tell you what happened. Just as it started to reach the slowest time of the year, kind of during the holidays when people start to check out, the phone started to ring. And a project that we had been waiting for an answer on for several months came in, along with several unexpected projects. Now, we're not out of the woods yet, but I'll tell you, January is usually the slowest month for our business because things totally shut down. People don't really come back to like the first couple weeks in January. And I checked, and this January will be the best January that we've ever had for our business. Christ is constant. The Lord is good. Now, I want to tell you, I don't think that all you have to do is pray and God is just going to snap his fingers and everything is going to change. We have to make some hard changes in order to get back on track. See, if you're going to jump in the deep end of the water, you can't expect to get out through prayer alone. You better start swimming. Maybe your hard change is not a financial one. Maybe it's something else. So I want you to think about what that hard change is right now. And we're gonna do something to remind ourselves what is constant in our lives. So I'm gonna say something, and I want you guys to repeat after me our big idea, which is Christ is constant. But say it with meaning. It's one o'clock. Say it with passion, okay? Here we go. When you are in need of change, Christ is constant. When you're battling an addiction, Christ is constant. When you're healing from a separation or a divorce, Christ is constant. When you are depressed, Christ is constant. When you're finding it hard to fit in, Christ is constant. When your health is failing, Christ is constant. When your team doesn't get into the Super Bowl, get over it. It's just a game. Everyone's going to overeat and watch some funny commercials and listen to Justin Timberlake do the Super Bowl halftime show, okay? Everything's going to be fine. So there's a beautiful Greek word, and it's called metanoia. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. The Greek meaning is change of mind. The full meaning is a little stronger than that. It's often translated to repentance, but not the kind of repentance that comes with regret, guilt, or shame. It implies making a decision to turn around, to face a new direction. And when you become a Christian, no matter what you've done in your life, it's about a change in direction, 
a death to oneself, and a receipt through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. See, no matter what change you need to make, your rider and your elephant should point to the cross because he is what is constant and we should not attempt to make any changes apart from him. You know, he gave us a unique reminder that we are never alone, a specific symbolic gesture to demonstrate that he gave his body and his blood to save us from sin and restore us to righteousness. And we call it communion. So, the band's gonna play, and there are stations that are set up in the back of the room, in the video cafe, and in the front. And what we want you to do is just follow the ushers' lead. When they dismiss you to take communion, you're gonna come down. And you're gonna take a little cracker, which symbolizes the body of Christ, and you're gonna dip it in the grape juice that symbolizes the blood of Christ. But when you take the cracker, don't put your whole hand in the wine, okay? Or the, in the grape juice. Don't be cochino, okay? Like, don't be gross. Just dip it in. Luke 22, 19, 20 says, And he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my buddy, body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, you're invited to receive this gift of communion freely. And if you're hesitant, you don't have to go to anybody else. You can go to Christ directly. If you want to make a space right now between you and God, make sure your will is aligned to His. Maybe you want to pray something like this. Lord, I believe you are God the Father. I believe you sent your son to die for my sins. Let your kingdom come in my life and let your will be done. As you feel led, we invite you to come receive communion. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, you are the one our hearts adore. Father God, we thank you for what you do through this church every single weekend. We thank you for what the people that come to this church go do out in the city. Father, we God, Father God, we thank you for saving marriages. We thank you for breaking the bonds of addiction, of depression. We thank you for the changes you've made in our lives, Father. We thank you for the changes you will continue to make. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.